We're going to piggyback off of what we talked about last Sunday morning. Uh, we've been studying through the back book of John. Don't turn to John this morning, but we've been studying through the book of John and uh, particularly chapters 13 through uh, 17, that last week, uh, often called the Passion Week. And in chapter 17, he's been telling us of uh, items and, and things that, that are true about us and so forth that will help us carry on that work that he's given us to do and to continue the kingdom work. We've talked about joy. Boy, there's just an absence many times of joy in Christians' lives. And it's because we've let the cares of this world uh, just kind of drag it down and, and drag us down. And, and, and I want to remind you very simply, please understand, if you're a born-again child of God, you, you are not a citizen of this world any longer. All right. You have uh, you, if you want to consider you're a citizen, you say, well, I'm a, I'm a citizen of these United, United States. I understand that. But our citizenship now is in heaven. And, and so we shouldn't allow all the cares of this world. We know. Listen, we don't have to we don't have to stick our head in the sand. We know it's a difficult world. We know that there's a lot of violence. We know that there's a lot of wickedness and there's a lot of sin. But we don't need to let it rob us of joy because when we become joyless, we are ineffective in carrying out that which he has set forth for us to do. We've talked about holiness. We've talked about purity and understanding that we must be sanctified and that is be set apart and made holy and made pure so that we can have an effective testimony. So many testimonies of so many children of God has been, has been sunk, if you will, has been, been eaten away by the sins of the flesh so that we don't have that ability to go and talk to others. They would laugh us, laugh us to scorn, or even worse, we know our lives don't match the Word of God, and so therefore we do not have that desire to go and tell others because we know they know that our lives do not match what we're talking about. We've talked about many different things. Last week we talked about understanding that we are a commissioned people. In, Matthew, in John chapter 17, Jesus said, Father, in the same way that you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. So we understood last week that we are a commissioned people. Now to me, that just seems to beg this morning a message from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. So if you will, open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, the last few verses of that chapter, a passage that if you've been uh, in a New Testament church for any length of time, no doubt you are familiar with this passage, you've heard it read, you've heard sermons on it, perhaps maybe you can even call most of it to memory. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. We mentioned last week that we are a people that have been commissioned. In other words, we are a people that have been uh, set apart and selected by God and sent by God to do a particular work. 
And there is an accountability coming one of these days as we stand before the righteous judge and give an accounting as to how we have performed and how we have, how we have carried that work out. And I fear that that day is going to be a day in which we're going to stand often and awfully embarrassed before God. Our thoughts this morning, a forgotten command has led to a lost art. A forgotten command has led to a lost art. Many of you have studied this verse, these passages. Many of you have studied the Bible. Many of you longer than I have. But I would submit to you this morning that you could understand all of the Bible and not practice these commands and these participles that we'll study this morning and it will have proven that we truly do not understand the Word of God. We can study all the book of Matthew and we can quote the Sermon on the Mount and we can talk about the Sermon on the Mount and we can reveal all the hidden truths within the Sermon on the Mount. We can go through the rest of the book of Matthew and talk about the parables. We can talk about the miracles. We can talk about the teachings of Jesus. We can go right up into Matthew 24, 25, and 26 and look at the teachings concerning the end of time. And you may have it all worked out so that you have all the answers about what is coming. But I'm afraid our churches are proving that we really don't understand scriptures because we have forgotten these commands and it's led to a lost art. At some point in time, we're going to have to face that which we don't want to hear. At some point in time, we're going to have to accept those truths that we really don't want to come face to face with and accept. At some point in time, God's people in God's houses everywhere are going to have to accept it's time to get out of the pews. It's time to get out of these buildings. It's time to get out into a world that's lost. Good gracious. Do we not believe this? Do we not believe that Jesus said you are to go into the world and you are to make disciples? You are to baptize them. You are to teach them. We cannot hole up in our houses any longer. We must go. If we are ever going to see a world that is, that is empty of tragedy in Pittsburgh where men will go in and shoot, if we're ever going to see a world where there, our kids are no longer in danger in school, we must get out into the world. We must carry the message of Jesus Christ. A forgotten command has led to this lost art. It seems obvious that some Christians think very little about our mission in this world. It seems that often we think very little about what God has told us within His Word except in regard to our own personal needs. It seems that we find ourselves in a day and a time and in our churches that we attend services, we attend meetings, we have fellowships, we, we, we have extracurricular activities, and, and, and we attend all that, and, and we do all that when it's convenient. And we take what we feel like taking from that and have very little concern for anything else. Seems as if oftentimes we are involved in our churches 
only to the extent that it serves our own desires. It escapes both their understanding, our understanding, and our concern that the Lord has given us, His churches, a supreme mission, and that He calls each and every one of us to be an instrument in fulfilling that mission. I read the other day a poll of the average church member. Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, Assembly of God, Apostolic, on and on we could go. All of them were represented in this poll. What is the primary function or purpose of the church? That was the question. Some said it is to provide food, shelter, and clothing to those that are in need. And they went on to explain that they felt like churches were, were failing in their mission by the amount of, of, of homeless people that there are in the world. I understand that often Jesus would help those that were homeless. Jesus often provided food. Jesus would sometimes uh, bring about healing in the physical realm. And I understand that we must do uh, part of that. For you're not probably going to be able to talk to a man about his need to be saved and the whole time his belly is grumbling and he's freezing to death. There is a certain amount of understanding that we have a responsibility to follow the example of Christ. And I'll, I'll, I'll challenge you to find it in scriptures that from time to time Christ met physical needs in order to get to the spiritual need he did that remind you again that John said recorded Jesus's own words father in the same way that you sent me I have sent them to do the same things that I would do but at the same time I would have you have you understand and I would reply to those that think that this is our primary mission we are not a social gospel we are a spiritual life changing altering to the gospel of Jesus Christ by the blood of Jesus on the cross our primary focus is to go to the world and present to them the message that God loves you enough that he died because you are a sinner. Some said that the primary purpose of the church, and this was a popular one, obviously, in today's world, is to worship and to praise. We know, I, I can read scripture after scripture, that we are to worship and we are to praise. And as I shared with you time and time again, I, I, I would give, I, I, you hear the term, I'd give my right arm, I'd give my right arm and my left arm for us to get back to praising and worshiping God like we once did. We have a man raise his hand or, or, or something in the churches today and people condemn him for that. Who are we? to judge whether the Spirit of God led somebody to do that or not. Who are you that you should judge whether somebody should have been led by the Spirit of God to, to say hallelujah and to say it loud? We don't find that in scriptures. Is God no longer moving in those ways anymore? 
Yes, we ought to worship. And yes, we ought to praise God. But we focus on that, and, and that becomes our primary function if we're not careful. And Jesus said, yes, this is to be a house of prayer. This is to be a house of worship. This is to be a house that I receive praise from. But again, I would submit to you that in the Great Commission, where we are given our commission, Jesus doesn't call that as our primary function. Unfortunately, we live in a world where a lot of people think we exist simply to babysit their kids. Some say we're here to teach and to train their kids. Fathers, if you've gone to sleep or you've drifted off or you're doodling, wake up for just a minute and give me your attention. Faith Missionary Baptist Church, by this commission, is instructed to teach and to train. But if you think that you have fulfilled, listen to me fathers, if you think that you have fulfilled your responsibility before Almighty God by dropping them off here, you have failed in your commission as a father for teaching and training of this book begins at home and it is reinforced here. Our greatest and prime function goes beyond having stuff to entertain people it has never been god's will for anyone to perish but that all should come to repentance second peter chapter 3 verse 9 in the book of first timothy chapter 2 verse 4 god goes on to say that he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth he is so serious about the redemption, the rescuing, the deliverance through salvation of lost soul that John 3.16 says he gave his only begotten son that anyone that would believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. A Christian counselor has once used a particular practice when providing spiritual advice a practice that is generally not well accepted, a practice that sheds light, which is often rejected, explained, or justified away, a practice that often stings and causes the one seeking the spiritual advice, advice to walk away angry. But this Christian counselor says, bring me your checkbook. This was his practice. And people say, well, what's that got to do with the spiritual advice I'm seeking? He said, well, bring me your checkbook, your register, your bank statement, something like that, and bring me your calendar where you have gone home and you've filled out what you've done on the days and the weeks and the months. And the one that went seeking to him said, well, what's that got to do with anything? He said, where your heart is, or where your uh, heart is, that's where your treasure will be. In other words, what he's saying is, I can look at your finances and I can look at your checkbook and I can look at your bank statements and I can look at your calendars and I will find out what truly is a priority for you. Faith Missionary Baptist Church, not because Jeff Chrysler says so, not because the ABA says so, but because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, our priority is to reach lost souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a priority. It's not an option. It's not a, well, I think the younger generation needs to do this or the younger generation say no I think the older generation needs to do this this is a command this is a commission that was given to Trevor because Trevor's a born-again child of God it is a command and it is commission that has been given to brother Troy because brother Troy is a child of God it's been given to all ages to everyone who is a born-again child of God this is a commission that we're to carry out not just 
a certain group. It is for each and every one of us. It's not hard to figure out what's a priority for us. It's pretty easy. I would just ask you this morning to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God because, see, he already knows, doesn't he? Is carrying out this commission a priority in your life individually? And is this priority a priority in this church as a whole? And I would submit to you a little further. If it should be, but it's not been, and whether you stand there at invitation time or you come to this altar, there needs to be a time of repentance. God, your priority has not been our priority. Your priority has not been my priority. And God, I want to get it right. Our passage today centers around one command and three participles and a present tense promise to give us a full revelation of what God expects of us. The rest of this sermon is going to be a little bit more on the technical side than I generally try to deliver on a Sunday morning. But I think it's very, very, very important that we understand what it is that Christ has called us to do. As you look at Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 19, you find the only command that is given. There is one command in all of these verses. Just one. Now, there's some participles that we're going to talk about, and there's a promise that we're going to talk about. But Christ made it very plain. As a father, as a grandfather, you ever talk to a child, and, 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 and there's something you want them to do, and, and if you start naming off, now I want you to do this, 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 what's often going to happen? They're not going to get it done, are they? Why? Well, because you've overloaded them and they don't remember it all or, or, or they begin then to pick which one's most important and, and they try to read your mind about what you think is most important. Christ took all of that off the table for us. In Matthew 28, he gave one command, one simple command, do this. Well, what is the command? The command is not to go in 19, although there is a relationship there. The command is to make disciples in our english uh, bibles it says go ye therefore and teach all nations the idea there of teaching all nations comes from the word mathetes uh, uh, and it has the idea of making a disciple out of them this is the command of matthew 28 make disciples not go and see how many people you can get uh, to repeat a prayer after you. Not go and stand and, and, and see how many people you can, you can rush down the, uh, to the altar or, or, or this or that and the other and, and, and hurriedly tell them that now they are saved because they've asked Jesus into their heart. Listen to me, Faith. Christ gave us one very simple command. He didn't load us down with 14 other ones. He said one thing. As you are going through the world, make a disciple out of people that you come into contact with. So what is involved in making a disciple? This is a word that is used often in, in classical Greek to describe the idea of... of, of a, a follower, a learner, 
to the point that you began to mimic and make your life just like your master. It's found in, in the philosophical realm in how that Socrates and Plato and, and, and these were men that were uh, seen as well learned in, in the art of philosophy and these were men that were, were looked to to be a master. And so these men would have those that would come and sit at their feet and when he would walk away, they'd follow him and the next time he began to speak, he, they were right there and as he was teaching and as he was working and as he was doing, they were there for every bit of it, soaking up like sponges. They wanted to listen to and learn from the master to the point that they imitated the master. It comes from the idea of, of musicians. As a musician would play, there would be others. If he was a masterful musician, there would be others that would sit at his feet and, and they would watch as he would pluck the strings of the harp or as he would play this instrument or the other instrument, and he would watch and he would learn all these things that he might someday play that instrument just like his master did. It comes from the idea of those that would learn from a physician that was considered to be a master, and you watched him as he treated this, and he treated that, and he recognized this symptom, and he knew that for this illness I needed to give this drug, or I needed to perform this, this particular uh, method to, to see this one healed. And so you would sit, and you would watch, and you would learn, and you wanted to become just like him. Yesterday I preached the funeral of a, of a dear friend, former member at Fair Play, Richard Garrett, prosecuting attorney. In the year 2000, I met Brother Richard Garrett, and he was an atheist. I was able to lead him to the Lord, and he began to come to fair play, and he came to me and said, I want to be baptized, September the 10th, 2008. He said, but preacher, I ain't getting baptized in your baptistry. We ain't doing that. He said, we're going to a river. And we went out to Saline River just outside of Benton and baptized him. Had a great day out there on the riverside that day great services we had service out there it was wonderful for 18 years he continued to practice law and continue to grow in Christ yesterday at the funeral as I was there and 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 and, and there was the a house full of people different attorneys would get up and they'd begin to speak and one got up and he began to talk about learning under Brother Richard. There's a young man there from, from the church at Emmanuel, uh, in Malvern, in, uh, at Emmanuel, that is now uh, beginning to practice law, and he began to sit and to listen. And all of them talked about how that often they would just sit and soak in everything that Brother Richard would tell them. Brother Richard began to call one of them Sonny Boy. And he called the, uh, Brother Richard called the other man, uh, well, he called him Sonny Boy, and the, the attorney called Brother Richard Dad. That wasn't blood kin. But he sat and he listened and he learned, and his desire was to become just like Brother Richard. That's what we're talking about. We're to take somebody that don't care anything about Jesus, 
They don't care anything about the Bible. They don't care anything about the teachings of the Word of God. And we're to take them from that point to the point that they become a disciple. They become a learner. They want to sit at Christ's feet and learn. Now the difference between the classical use of this term and what we find in the Bible is the idea of those learners is classically great says the idea is that someday they will become the master. For you and I, this word doesn't mean that. We know that we will never become our master. We will never ascend to that place where we will be considered a master. However, I do want to point this out to you. We live in a world where every talk, everybody talks about individuality. And everybody wants to serve the Lord in their own individuality. Which means the idea is we're bringing something to the table. We need to understand we come before Christ as an empty jar, an empty vessel. And we say, Lord, you teach me so that I come like you. We are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Take all that individually out, individuality stuff and get it out of our minds and say, listen, I need to become like Jesus Christ. I don't need to be Jeff Chrysler. I want to learn from him to the point that I am a mirror image of him. The word that is used to talk about Christ being our example and how that we are to come under that tutelage of him and become like him is the idea of the imprint and being able to trace that imprint. We're to take Christ's life and lay it on ourselves and those places where we can't reach out to the lines of his imprint, we grow to that point. Those places that we have that are way outside of the lines, we begin to rope them and rein them back in till we become the representation of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Make disciples. Not just see how many people you can get to win and, uh, to, to say a prayer, but make disciples a disciple. There's the command. But as I mentioned, there is the command to make disciples, and then there is the first participle that is simply translated in our English Bibles by the first word of verse 19, go. This is a very unique situation. This particular participle gives the idea that you cannot go. Uh, you can, pardon me, you cannot make the disciples until you go. It's used in the idea in, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, where, the, where, where God warned Joseph. And he said, arise and take Jesus, take Mary and flee from this area. The command was to take them. But obviously you can't take them and everybody stay seated in the house, can you? So the idea is, take them, but before you take them, you got to rise. Would we today know faith? Before we can make disciples, we got to go. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, here's the command, make a disciple. But please understand, you can't make a disciple of the world when the world's not in here and we hole up in this building. Jesus says, you got to get off your pews you got to get out of the, the, the comfort zone of being here. We talked about it this morning in our Sunday school class. We're going to talk a lot more about it next week. That we call ourselves the what? It's our motto. It's everywhere that has our name. What is it? The family of faith. It's easy to be here. It's comfortable to be here. I, I love being here because you're my family. Y'all, we're not going to win many people to Christ sitting in here, are we? Are we going to make many disciples 
hole up in here? Do we need to have fellowships? Yes, we need to have fellowships. Do we need to have extra activities? Sure, we need to have extra activities. Do we need to praise and worship God? Yes, we need to praise and worship God. Do we need to teach and, have, and be a place of training? Yes, we need to do all of that. But when it comes to our, prime, uh, our primary function that Jesus said, go and make, disi or make disciples, we need to understand we can't make a disciple if we don't go. That's why I read the story of Nicodemus this morning. If Jesus doesn't go through Jericho, <coughs> pardon me, I'm getting dry. I've taken a medicine that gets me real dry. I got a bottle of water in the refrigerator. If somebody get it for me, I'd appreciate it because I'm getting very dry. If Jesus does not go through Jericho, and underneath that sycamore tree. Does Jesus ever get the chance to make a disciple out of Zacchaeus? And the answer is obvious. No. If Jesus does not go to Samaria and talk to a woman who is, who is, who is way beneath him and way beneath all the rest of the Jews. She's a woman, she's a Samaritan, and she has had five husbands, and the guy she's living with ain't even her husband now. But if Jesus does not go to Samaria, does he ever have a chance, thank you, Brother Bill, does he ever have a chance of making a disciple out of that woman? In the year 2000, if I never go where I went and met Richard Garrett, I would have not had the opportunity to make a disciple. The command is make a disciple. But the principle, um, the participle, which is just for information, is an attendant circumstance participle. And all that simply means is you can't make a disciple if you don't go into the world. I noticed that he didn't say sinned, did he? Churches today say we're a missionary church. Well, what's your measuring stick? We send 15% of our income. We sponsor this missionary. We support that missionary. Do churches need to do that? Absolutely. There's biblical answer, a precedent for that. But churches must be going. And by going, they make disciples. The second participle, baptizing them. It is the first step of making disciples. You see, this idea of making disciples, now what he does is he gives us a couple of different type of participles. These participles are different than the first. They're still participles, but they are participles of means. In other words, it's how do you accomplish the command? How do you do this? Jesus said, make disciples. That's involved in making the salvation, getting the salvation to happen. But now... You can't leave them there. You can't leave them there hanging. What would you think of a mother that gave birth to a baby and said, well, I'm through with my responsibility, just left the baby and walked away? We would say that's a horrible mother, isn't it? 
Would we, not, would we not condemn a woman for something like that? Listen to me. All of these crusades that we have and all of the things that has been done down through the years just simply to get people to accept Christ, whether it's genuine or not, and then walking away and just leaving them to go find some church somewhere. Y'all, we're doing the same thing that a woman would be doing to give birth to a child and then leaving the child. Jesus says, make a disciple. That starts with salvation. You can't make a disciple out of that which is dead. And the lost is dead. Bring them to life through salvation. Now make a disciple. How do we do that? These next two participles are participles of means. In other words, this is how you make a disciple. You baptize them. Now, is baptism going to give them some extra measure of grace? No. Is baptism going to wash away all their sins? No, their sins are already washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, then, what's the importance of this? Obedience. Obedience. You and I cannot make a disciple out of that which is disobedient to the Lord. You and I cannot be the disciple that we're supposed to be when we're disobedient to the Lord. Jesus said, your command is to make a disciple. And you need to understand, you can't make a disciple until you go. Well, how am I going to make a disciple? You've led them to the Lord. Don't walk away and leave them. But see that they are baptized. Let me just touch on this very quickly. We do not believe, and the Bible doesn't give us any indication of believer's baptism. And what that simply means is, I lead them to the Lord, so I get them dunked. No, the church has the authority to baptize. So that means I've got to take this newborn creature, and I've got to get them to where they will come to the churches that will teach them the truth so that they will begin to understand what God expects of them. Jesus said, if you're going to make disciples, you got to go. If you're going to make disciples, yes, you got to see them saved, but then you got to see them baptized. And then the third participle, teaching them the all things that I have commanded you. We bring them in. We show them by the word of God their need to be obedient and be baptized. We show them, by the word of God, the importance of coming to every service that you possibly can so that you can be taught the all things of Jesus Christ. Please understand, if you're going to make a disciple and you're going to tell them, you need to come to church so that we can baptize you. You need to come to church so that we can teach you the all things that Jesus Christ commanded. And you need to come to church and be there for every single service because that's where teaching takes place. And so they come to the first service and they look around and think, huh, the one who has encouraged me to be here is not here. What have you just told that person? This is important for you, but not important for me. we're going to make disciples we have got to be faithful here ourselves and show them they come and they learn now here's the thing I want you to understand the whole time we're doing this guess what we're still doing we're still going and we're still making disciples well don't I listen all you Star Wars fans like me do you remember do you remember when they brought Luke Skywalker in and, and, and uh, what was it, um, oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's master, 
Somebody help me. Anyway, the master that was training Obi-Wan Kenobi, all right? And he wants to train Luke Skywalker. And Yoda says in his Yoda voice, a, a young Padawan you already have. You're already training one. And you can't start on another one. Listen, we're, we, we love the movie Star Wars, but we're not in Star Wars. We're in the spiritual battle. And we can do reaching out and training all at the same time. We don't stop one activity to start others. So the whole time we're teaching, the whole time we're training here, we're continuing to go into the world and make disciples, continuing to bring them in. I would submit to you that the reason for my title is we've forgotten the command, we've lost the art, and it's proven by the fact that we're not bringing people in anymore, are we? Look around, are we? I get the feeling y'all are getting mad at me. I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm sharing with you the truths of the Word of God. We have got to get out of our pews, get out of our buildings, and get out into a world. And as we're out there, make disciples. We're not looking for those opportunities. We're not seeing men up in the sycamore tree, or if we do, ah, he probably ain't interested. Ah, he dresses different than I do. Ah, his hair is too long. Oh, he's got too much body piercings. Uh, he's whistling a song I recognize. It's, it's hard rock. He probably isn't interested in Christ. Jesus said, don't go out there and pick and choose. Just go out there and make disciples. There's a lot of hard cases that have been brought to salvation by the simple truth that God loves them. You know what I'm talking about? Hard cases. One command, make disciples. And attending participle that says you can't do that if you're not going. And then two participles of means. Here's how you do it. Lead them to Christ. They're saved. Get them in the church. Baptize them. And teach them all these things. Now, I've said over and over to this morning, one simple command. I use the word simple in the fact that there's not 30. I recognize that this is a difficult command. I recognize that this is a very daunting uh, challenge. And so I want to close this morning by giving you a present tense promise that's found here. The command, make disciples. The attendant uh, participle that says you can't make disciples if you don't go. The two participles of means that says, here's how you do it. You baptize them, you teach them the all things. And I could see these disciples going, oh, wow. Whew. Lord, we may not be up to this. And before they can even say anything, Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is a present tense promise. The, the force of that is, I am being with you. Not, I am going to be with you for 50 more days. All right? I'm not going to be with you for another week or two, but I am continually being with you. And I'll be with you until the end of the age, to the end of the world. I'll be with you to empower you. I'll be with you to encourage you. I'll be with you to help you see open doors. I'll be with you when you're weak. 
And after you have forgotten this command and you've lost the art, when you repent and, 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 and fall on your face before me and say, God, I, I've been failing in this area. But by your grace and by your strength, I will improve. Jesus said, I'll still be with you then. I won't forsake you. I won't say, well, you had your chance and you blew it. But I'll still be with you. I understand this morning that there may be those that thinks Brother Jeff is mad or that is telling Brother Faith that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Last week we looked at Jesus saying, you are a commissioned people. The same way that the Father sent me with a mission, I'm sending you with one. It just begged the question, what is the mission? So I studied this passage and, and all the technicalities of the different tenses and the verbs versus participles and promises and all this and that and the other in a, desired, in a, in a desire to remind us Faith Missionary Baptist Church, we are a commissioned people. We're not a, a, a people that have been given a choice. We are commissioned. I just wonder if the Lord was to call us home this very moment. We had to stand before him. I wonder how confident we would stand in our commission. I'll be the first one to tell you I wouldn't be very confident. This passage has ripped my heart the last few days. Opportunities every day. Never, never say anything about making disciples. All I ask, look in your heart. Look in your heart and be honest. God already knows. And if there's something we need to do to change before it's too late for this church and there's not enough to keep the doors open because we've not done what we're told to do, before it's too late for those that God would put before us as an opportunity and they die and go to hell, before it's too late and we have to stand before him not very confident may we get back to our commission and doing it the right way going making disciples getting them back here so that they can be baptized and be taught while we're still going now they've learned to go Y'all, we cannot, we cannot hunker down and wait for his return because we don't know that his return is going to be soon. And we keep hunkered down till he comes, there won't be a faith left. I, I just, I, I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's, it's see it for ourselves. But more importantly, if we just hunker down, we are failing in the one command that he gave us. Make disciples. Father, come to this place this morning. After the study of your word, 
I have no doubt that there was faults and failures in the presentation and, and that some might think that uh, I'm angry or, or, or this or that, Father. I, I pray that your spirit would convince and show that that's not the case at all. But your word has ripped my heart the last few days. I'm concerned about my obedience to this command. I'm concerned about our church's obedience to this command. I'm concerned for our future. God, I do not want to see a world where Faith Missionary Baptist Church is not here to teach my grandbabies. Arkadelphia will be a less place if faith is not here or if faith is here but not doing the Great Commission. God, please help us. Again, all I ask is no credit, no honor and glory, but just ask that you would prick our hearts and that we would be responsive to your pricking and we'd be honest enough to say, these scriptures have ripped my heart as well so that we might make it right. Lord, in this invitation, may you get honor and glory and may your will be accomplished in my heart. And I ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.